Please remain standing. And as we turn in our scriptures, I'd like you to go with me to the book of Acts. And I want to bring a word to you this morning that the Holy Spirit has given to me a couple weeks ago. And I think that now is the appropriate time to just put it before you as His timing. Acts chapter 15. And while you find it, I want to thank Pastor Trey and Monty, who are our leaders of our youth ministry and who have coordinated the wonderful graduation recognition. All of those students are worthy, regardless of age or what level of graduation. But it takes a leader, takes leaders, amen? And it takes people organizing, and of course, in a while they'll have a lunch together and further recognition with their family. But uh, when you make this account, in a day of quitters, uh, in a day of quitters, in a day of somebody owes me something, and I got to get it free, (laughs) I better be careful, I better pray first. Uh, Thank God for those who run and finish well. Amen? I want to talk to you about the power of encouragement. I found in my life that I need to Give it more, and getting it don't hurt me. Encouragement. Can, can, you, can you say amen to that? Huh? I find in my life, I'm way ahead on my grumbling and way behind on my encouraging and being thankful. So I want to talk to you about a man whose name was changed three times. He was named by his parents, Joseph. And because he became a man of encouragement, as he moved on, his name changed to Barnabas, which eventually meant the son of encouragement. Now, we see him more than one time in the book of Acts, but I've selected this section of chapter 15, verse 36, to launch this word. If you're there, say amen. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take him with them, the one who had departed them from Palphilia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the sharp contention Or the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Now while that's still on the screen, what you have here is a situation where you got two men of faith, two men of power, love God, Barnabas and Paul, whose former name was Saul. And they're doing the work of the Lord, traveling all over Asia Minor, planting churches, praying for the sick, casting out devils, blessing folk. And on their first journey, or one of their journeys, they took a young rookie preacher, now starting out, whose name is John Mark. And he didn't know much about missionary travels and how you'd have to sleep uh, at night without a tent, how you might not get some food some days. Or how you may uh, face opposition by people who resist the faith. So, John Mark, traveling with Paul and Barnabas, 
on one of their journey, deserted, left, and didn't give account. And so this passage talks about a battle between Paul and Barnabas, and Barnabas' desire to give John Mark a second chance. Encouragement. Reach your hand this way and pray for me, would you? Father, I receive the prayer of the church. I want to be sensitive to time. I do not want to be boring. I do not want to be too loud or too soft. And I don't want to be an entertainer. Come on, help me. Pray for me here, somebody. Lord, I, 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 I need strength for my body. Pray that, church. Strength for my voice. I want the Word to do the work. I don't want Alan Matura to, to try to use any kind of my physical thing. I want to get happy in the Word. But I want the Word to do the work in everybody's life today so that all of us will not only receive encouragement, but go out and give it. In Jesus' name, the church say amen. Amen. And you may be seated in His presence. There's an old story told about a preacher leaving a church. He's moving on to another assignment. At the farewell dinner of the preacher leaving the church, he tried to encourage one of the strong pillars of the church, one of the sisters there who had attending a strong pillar in the sense of membership and support of the church. And he said to her, don't be so sad. Don't be so sad. The next preacher coming after me might be better than me. She replied, that's what they said the last time, but it keeps getting worse. That was not something necessarily... I think he wanted to hear, but sometimes in an effort to encourage, we can be discouraging. Can I get another witness? Every one of us here this morning face some of the most challenging moments of our lives when we least expect them. As we live our lives, we live with the need a lot of help along the way. I did not get here being 58 years old and being in the ministry by myself. And I don't know how old you are and what work you do or what work you're going to do as a uh, uh, further student or employee or employer. But whether you're saved or not, you didn't get there by yourself. We face so many challenges at every turn in life, it is important for us to have people in our lives that will get behind us and tell us, you can make it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The the answer to the following questions are obvious, but I ask them because I want you to think with me. What do people need when they're struggling? Encouragement. What do people need when... They need to be challenged to do something that may seem out of their normal range of ability. He can do it. She can do it. They can do it. They can make all A's or they can make B. I can't do it. But, but you know it's in them. They need encouragement. And then as our kids grow up, you know, they start off in, in crawling and toddling. And, and at certain age and certain months and, uh, uh, of their growth chart, they should be starting walking. And so, when our children make our first attempt, their first attempt to walk and they don't do it so well, it's not encouraging to come along and pick up a little four-month-old and say, you lazy little thing, 
you should be walking by now. That's not what they need. And that's kind of the way it is with you and I in life. We may be a young Christian. We may be uh, not so experienced at what we're doing in our job. Our faith may not be strong. We may not know a whole lot of the Bible. We may not be filled with the Holy Spirit like we'd like to be. We may not arrive at certain destinations we set. We don't need the devil and his crowd coming along saying that's about as far as you can get. That's all your potential. I want to tell you something about the power of God in you. And you already know this is one of my favorite verses. Something about the power of God in every one of you that says in 1 John 4 and 4, Greater is the power of God in you than the power of the devil that's in the world. Somebody give the Lord a praise. I have a quote from William Arthur Ward on the screen. I like it. I think you will too. Don't about encouragement. Flatter me. And I may not believe you. Criticize me. And I may not like you. Ignore me. And I may not forgive you. But encourage me. And I will not forget you. Oh, somebody say amen to that good word. What can change the life of a person perhaps more than anything else? Encouragement. Our lives are full of people who have taken the time to encourage us along the way. I can think of my favorite elementary school teacher. Right now, I have her face in my mind. Because I I was very timid, shy, introverted. And I can think of her right now. Encouragement. I can think of my favorite high school teacher. She was an English teacher. And I can I think... Uh, Of the fact that she may have seen some of the timidity in me or potential in me or otherwise. And she invested in me with encouraging words and opportunities. And I I don't know. I I can think of some preachers. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost helping me here. I I, I was called to the ministry. But I, I can think of some preachers that I went to see. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to solve a church problem. I didn't know how to handle a particular matter. Oh, I felt incompetent. And I made an appointment. And I went and sat with them. And some of them I thought, you know, wouldn't have time for me. Sat me down and took as long as I needed to say, listen, you may not make it overnight. And you may not climb that mountain in about three or four weeks. But God's got you. He's called you. You stay in the Word. You stay in prayer. You stay at that assignment. And God's going to send you help from where it seems like nowhere. Encouragement. And every one of you sitting here this morning, it may be a little hard because you may be going through a place now where you need it really bad, encouragement. But if you give yourself enough time, the Bible says sometimes we entertain angels unaware. I've had people come by and say something to me I didn't know from Adam. And when I heard what they said and they went on, they didn't ask for a thank you. I thought, thank you, God, for the angels of God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. My, my, so where I'm headed is, let's, let's look at this. What is encouragement? Encouragement can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. But we certainly are not encouraging someone when we yell at them or tell them they're not going to amount to anything in life. We know what it's not. Can I get an amen? We know that encouragement is not being critical of everything or everyone or thinking you can do better and they'll never arise to the opportunity. When we go around Christians who are weak and they stumble and they fall, 
And I'm talking about giving and receiving encouragement, the power of encouragement. When we go around Christians, they get saved in the first six weeks, they're doing really good and they're happy and they're full of the Spirit of God and they bring their Bible and they come to prayer meeting and they come to church and they come to other events. And then after about six weeks, the devil begins to attack them and pull them back and draw them back into his power. How many know he will do that? He'll give you a season of blessing and then he'll try to pull you back. And sometimes they start slipping back into a, a way of life or missing church or using a certain language or going back to a certain habit. And, and what they need from us, come on and help me here, somebody, is for us to say to them, stay in the game. Everybody say it. Stay in the game. I'm not calling Christianity a game. I'm just comparing it to an event where you have to keep at it if you're going to win. Amen? So what does discouragement, encouragement mean? Put it on the screen. Encouragement means to come alongside of. It is not only what we say, but it's what we do. If we're going to encourage other people, we need to come alongside of them and help them along. The word can mean that we come alongside of them to urge them or to admonish them. After you get saved and the Spirit of God comes in you, and then you even go on further to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. The Lord puts in you, after you're saved, the power of His anointing to encourage you to overcome the world and the flesh and the devil and lust and sin and fornication and adultery. God will always make a way for you to overcome your sin of the past because He puts in you encouragement. It's called the helper. Four times in the book of John, Jesus Christ describes the root meaning of the word encourage. Jesus, when speaking of the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives after we're born again, says to us that He will not leave us helpless, but He will send to us an encourager whom He called the Helper which is the Holy Ghost. Oh, the helper is starting to help me now. Uh, you know, Jesus left disciples to carry on the ministry after he ascended to heaven and said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, John 14 and 1. And when I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself. One day I'm coming back for all everybody saved. I'm coming back. But I'm going to build mansions for you. And I'm going to give rewards to you. And I'm going to, I'm going to design crowns for you and robes for you. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to establish a kingdom where you can rule and reign with me. And Jesus said, while I'm gone, I'm not telling you when I'm coming back. It's been 2,000 years now. But you carry on. Disciples, after, after the day of Pentecost, 120 of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. After he ascended, I mean, he just went like... Gravity lost its hold on him, and he just, can you just imagine that? Can you just imagine me? I wish I had some rope now and fake wires where I could just start ascending. He's going up, and he says, don't leave Jerusalem until you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Another word for the Holy Ghost is a helper. Can I get an amen? Now, now these guys are thinking, well, we got the Holy Ghost, but, but, you know, we don't know nothing about this Holy Ghost. We know you. We know you helped us. We know when, when... 
people were out in the desert all day and they came to hear you preach and teach and give the gospel and it was the end of the day and they were hungry and we told you to send them out back to their home, their villages, wherever because there ain't no restaurants out here and there ain't no bakeries or whatever. Send them because they're hungry. Uh, we know that you told us to sit them down in groups of 50s. Can I get an amen? About 5,000 of them, just counting the men now. Oh, I feel encouragement. Yeah, yeah you know? And, and, and they're thinking, man, all we got here is five loaves. Five loaves. We ain't talking about no big loaves. Five loaves because it was a little boy's lunch. Why's mama be going to send him big five bags of loaf bread? Huh? It was a little boy's lunch. Five loaves, about three fish. And they're looking there and there. Uh, they said... Uh, all we got here is five loaves and three fishes. And, and, and they remember, they couldn't, do, they couldn't feed the crowd. Jesus took it, prayed over it, and handed it to them, the loaves and fishes. And he said, here, give it to them. And to the amazement, they break it, and somebody take it, and give fish, and somebody take it, and then there'll be another in the hand. Break it, and the more they break, the more it multiplied, the more they gave, the more they... Ha- Ooh. Now, how in the world are we going to do that, Jesus, now that you're gone? We can't, we're not really encouraged. I mean, we remember one time, ooh, we remember one time, Jesus, we were, you told us to cross the Sea of Galilee, which is about 12 miles wide, and, and it may be about 14 miles long. It's, the Sea of Galilee is a large lake, and it's situated between uh, mountainous ranges, so on occasions there, there are winds that swirl through those mountainous ranges and come on the lake and cause it to be very stormy and the waves get way high and, and the water gets very tumultuous and the lightning will flash and the thunder will roar. And Jesus had had a busy day of ministry. And he went and laid down in the boat, slept on a pillow, and now, now the winds came up. Now the waves came up. Now the thunder began to roar. And the lightning began to flash. And water began to come into that little boat. We're talking about a little wooden boat now. We ain't talking about them, drive on baby, let's beat this storm. Okay? We're, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about they grabbing their water pots and their little clay pots and, and what they can find. The sailor's torn. This thing's going about to sink. And there he is sleeping. Somebody help me out here. And the Bible said when he awoke, he spoke to the winds and the waves. And they calmed, and it was just as still and as pristine and as beautiful. And they're sitting there thinking, you going away, you telling us that we're going to go cast out devils. We're going to have to, in some places we go, they won't receive us. So we're going to have to leave town. They may even attack us. We'll be persecuted for your name's sake. Some of us going to go to jail. Some of us are had to die for the gospel. You telling us that you are leaving us with all this? And we ain't got you. He said, but I will send you the Holy Ghost who is a helper. Somebody say praise the Lord. I I, I want to tell you something, friends. Here we are living in a world where sexuality is so promiscuous. There's all manner of perversion on television. Help me out here. I mean, you can get all forms of sexual perversion on your iPhone and on some of these equipment. You can find out about how to make certain kind of drugs. Help me preach somebody. I mean, we, we got a society not only sexually uh, perverted and thwarted. We got a society where there are no moral absolutes. Nothing is wrong anymore. Come on, everybody. 
Okay? And it's not just this White House. There's been other White House who have legalized and perpetuated and other White House will probably do it in the future saying this is okay. We can redefine marriage. We can redefine uh, what a family is. Help me out. I'll preach by myself. It's okay to abort babies. It's okay to do so. And anybody helping me? We're living in that kind of world. We're living in the kind of world that you've heard the saying dog eat dog. I, if I got to stab somebody in the back to get to the next level, then, then that's, that's what I'll do. And you and I as Christians living in this world with all kinds of temptations around us. Temptations to cuss and to swear. And an easy temptation to walk out of a marriage and just go to the divorce court. Tell, end this. It's not worth the fight. And, and, and we wonder to ourselves, how in the world? We need some encouragement. Oh God, we need some. And the Bible says the helper, the helper, the Holy Ghost is not only beside you. The Holy Ghost is in you. Somebody give a Lord a hand clap. Please, let me, let me tell you. Your heart is inside you. Your lungs is inside you. Aren't you a great, brilliant student, Pastor? Oh, by the way, I, I did finish my first year uh, of my uh, doctorate. Yeah, but I got two more to go. And I need some encouragement. <laughs> Real encouragement. Uh, I just thought I'd tell you graduates. And I did get, I did take four courses and got A's on all four of them. This is my encouragement. <laughs> she got the A's. I get the credit. Okay? And what I'm, I'm simply saying to you, the Holy Ghost is not just around Alan Matura. The Holy Ghost is not just above him. The Holy Ghost is inside me. He'll help my thinking. He'll help my talking. He'll help my attitude. He'll help my emotions. All I have to do is raise up my hand and say, God, I have run out of me and I need to run into God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost to encourage me. Amen. Amen. Put on the screen, the next slide, if you will. Uh, not only is it a helper here, but I want to show you what encouragement is and, and how we get it. Barnabas was known as a son of encouragement. We first read about him in Acts 4, 36 and 37. Here's what it says. And Hoses, or Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, Having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Here's one act of encouragement. There was during a time when the church was being persecuted to kill Christians everywhere you find them. Okay? And what happened is, it was right after the ascension of Jesus. Right after the day of Pentecost when the power of God was released and 120 were filled. And when the Holy Ghost came and filled these people... Instead of them going to hide some way when they get persecuted, they even get more bold. Don't you wish that would happen to us? When we get a testimony, when we get filled with joy, when we get encouragement, and we get a prayer to answer, don't you wish we'd go everywhere broadcasting how good Jesus is? And, and so, they having done that, the Bible says the church the, began in Jerusalem, meaning the church as we know it as Christianity today. When the church as Christianity as we know it today first began, it was called the way, W-A-Y, the way. And those who were followers of Jesus were followers of the way. What happened was they were being persecuted so much and some of them had to go into hiding. So the crowd who were in Jerusalem would gather secretly or sometimes in a place where unbeknown to the officials. And 
If somebody didn't have enough clothes, they'd bring some clothes. If somebody didn't have enough groceries, they'd share all their groceries. If somebody didn't have enough of something else, they'd kind of have yard sales or whatever. It's, it's whatever the Lord says to our hearts to help people. Can I get an amen? And they'd bring everything and put it in a common plate or a common place and help those people to come to where they are and get what they need. Well, the Holy Ghost spoke to Barnabas and said to him, you got some land and you're not using the land and there's a need. And by the first place, I gave you the land, and I blessed you up until now, and I've encouraged you, and if you need blessing later on, I'll bless you. Well, out of the own goodness of his heart, can I get an amen? Nobody told him. How many of you know nobody has to tell you about the Holy Ghost? How many of the devil don't ever tell you to do anything good? Huh? The devil don't ever tell you, go bless somebody, send a text and bless somebody, send an email and bless somebody, send a card, bake a cake if you know how, go by the hospital. The devil don't tell you to do that. It's the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost said to sell the land. He sold the land, didn't want any credit for it at all. I don't know how much he got for it, but he took all the money for selling the land and he gave it to the leaders of the church. And he says, as the people have need in the church for food, for clothes, for shelter, for whatever, you bless them in the name of the Lord and don't tell anybody I did it. Can I wish somebody to give the Lord a, a praise here with me? So he's called the son of encouragement. And, and not only do we find this about Barnabas, but let, let, let me say this to you about him. How he helps us to encourage others, how we learn that he is an encourager. An encourager is a risk taker. If you have it on, you can put it on the screen. Shows us how we move to encourage others. This is how we move to encourage. Not everybody out there who say they have a need or say that things are desperate and bad and not working out in their financial situation or however, are authentic. There are a lot of people out there who are con artists. Can, can I get an amen, somebody? You know? And so therefore, you and I have to check the spirit and say, Holy Ghost, that person standing at the side of the road where all this traffic and light is that says, hungry will work for food. Is that really so? Or is this why every day I always see them here from 9 to 5, hungry, will work for food, and had done a day's work in a long time? Because not everybody out there that needs encouragement are out, to be honest with you. Uh, I've seen shows, documentaries, where uh, people carry that sign, homeless, need money for gasoline, uh, have children and no need met or whatever. You, you've seen them, the whole like that. And documented when, when they wasn't known they were being captured by a television camera of a certain uh, television station. They'd, after the end of the day, they'd lay down their little sign, go to a walk around a building, back behind another building, get in their Mercedes and drive home. Anybody ever, ever, ever know that? So you, so you have to kind of measure out. And you're a risk taker sometimes. Can I get an amen? But if you will ask the Lord, he, he will help you to be a Barnabas. Because Barnabas took a risk with Paul. Because before Paul became Paul, his name was Saul. And he was a, he was a terrorizer of Christians. He was a terrorist. I know some Christians now. 
They were saved, I mean. <laughs> he was unsaved. I know some saved Christians now. If I see on aisle 12 at Walmart, I'm hitting aisle 2 as fast as I can because I don't want no Christian terrorists who's supposed to be saved. I want you to help me out. What happens is Saul is, is killing Christians left and right everywhere because he wants to stamp out Christianity. And the Judaizers, the main religious Jewish leader, the religion of the Jewish people, they were helping Paul, who was former name was Saul. Saul was educated in religion, educated in Judaism, educated in language, educated in a- academic. He was well known. He was taught at a man's feet whose name is Gamaliel. I mean, the man had his act together. And so he got documents and papers and all the legal things. Wherever he would find people who were part of the way, Christian people, his job was to take ropes and chains or whatever way he could capture them, tie them, wrists, legs, hands, put them on the back of a beast or drag them all the way off to Jerusalem. And they were going to be judged in probably a a trial that was not legit. And most of them were sentenced to death or prison. And I'm hurrying to tell you, that when his name was Saul in Acts 9, he was on a trip to Damascus. And the Bible said he had an entourage of people with him. And he had all the documents and the papers and the ropes and the chains and maybe other animals to go arrest all the people in Damascus that he could find that were still serving Jesus because they thought they killed Jesus and buried Jesus and he was gone. And now everywhere they turn, they're still hearing about healings and miracles and deliverances and all kinds of stuff because how many know Jesus' body presence doesn't have to be there, just his presence? What happens is on his way to Damascus, and, and help me hurry it a bright light, as brilliant as the sun, shone. Shone on Paul. So brilliant, it knocked him off his horse and laid him flat on his back in the dirt on the desert floor. The other guys who are traveling with him, they don't hear the voice, they see the light. And there's a voice that comes when this light knocks him off his beast and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul, and, and, and Saul said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, meaning the, the prodding. You know, sometimes back then they had sharp edges, uh, sharpened edges of wood, uh, a lumber, stick, tree limb, that they would put, have a point in and to get the animals to move, they would prod them. They call it kick against the pricks. And, 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 Saul says, let me rephrase it. You can't box with Jesus and resist Jesus and keep persecuting his people and fighting against them without Jesus comes to your aid. Can I, can I get an amen? And the Lord told him what to do. He, he, blind, he was literally blinded for three days. His companions traveling with him to Damascus took him in Damascus and he was blind for three days and God sent a man by the name of Ananias to go pray for him and said, Ananias said, I don't want to go praying for that terrorist. And God said, go, I'll fill him with the Spirit of God. I'll change his name from Saul to Paul. I'll make him a man of God. I'll make him a preacher to the Gentiles. You go and watch what I can do. And the Bible says that he went in the name of the Lord, prayed over Saul, changed his name to Paul, and God filled Paul with the power of the helper, the Holy Ghost. Say amen. 
Because when God allows the devil to move out of you, he moves in. Somebody say amen. When, when the devil comes out with all his garbage and trash, God doesn't leave you empty. He'll fill you with peace, joy, Holy Ghost, whatever you're seeking. If you're hungry, God's feeding. And Saul became hungry. And he became Paul. And then he stayed in, he stayed in uh, this place called Damascus for quite some time. The persecutor Saul became Paul. And that's probably in Damascus is where Barnabas and Saul met each other. And Barnabas begins to take a risk. He hears this killer of Christians preaching the gospel, seeing people healed under his ministry, energetic and vibratic, vib- very vibrant. He sees him baptizing people in the name of Jesus. And it's been three years he's in Damascus. And so Paul now wants to go back to Jerusalem where he's from. They knew him there, Saul. And he asked Barnabas to go with him. And Barnabas said, I'll I'll take a risk. Because the last time you left Jerusalem, you left with an entourage of people who were going to kill Christians with documents in your hand. And they fear you as a Christian terrorist of Christians. So I'll take a risk and I'll go back. Help me out here, somebody. And he went back with him after three years. And the Christians who had already been serving God for three years, the last thing they knew about this Saul was that he was killer of Christians. And they said, I don't want none of that. He is just disguising himself. He's just playing the part, tricking us to see who are Christians or not. And when he finds out the real Christians, he's going to go after them. Can somebody help me here? Oh, yeah. And so what happens is Barnabas stood up for him. Oh, God, make all of us a Barnabas. Barnabas said, I, I, you know what? I was there when he got saved. I was there when God baptized him with the Holy Ghost. I was there when he preached his first sermon. I was there when I, when I saw converts coming to Christ because this persecutor turned to be a blesser of people. Somebody say amen. I, I, I was there when he laid hands on the sick and they got well. This man is the real deal. And I, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to risk my name being the son of encouragement and being Barnabas and tell you that if you'll get in here with Paul, the church will grow and we'll go on. And that's what happened that day. And the church has been growing ever since because of encouragers. Come on, somebody, give your Lord a hand clap. You've got you to have somebody. Everybody got to have somebody. And you've got to be that somebody that believes in them. Give me an amen. You've got you to you say, look, I, 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 let me show you something else. An encourager is one who gets in the game with you. Can I get an amen? He, an encourager, you, if you want to be an encourager, you'll get in the game with others who are struggling with the game of life. The game of cancer. And again, I'm not trying to be trivial. I'm just comparing it to an event that is challenging. The game of financial problems. The game of an addiction. The game of a lust. Can I, can I, can I hear an amen? The, the, we, we, we are, to be an encourager, we're not just to stand and say to them, well, I feel sorry for you. I've been there. I know what it's like. I'll pray for you and i get others to pray with you. That, that's nice, Okay. But that's not getting in the game with them. The Bible says, how can we as Christians, like Barnabas was, be blessed of God, 
and see other people hurting and wounded and needed like he saw people needing actual clothes and food and shelter. How can we just say to them, God bless you, go on your way and, and everything will be all right without first if we have a part, if we, if we only have $10, the Holy Ghost says give them five. That's what getting in the game with them is. Can somebody say amen? I'm saying getting in the game with them is, it means that if they need prayer, I don't care if you're at Walmart or you at Publix. I don't care if you're in a restaurant. That person right there says, remember me, pray for me. They just told you a desperate story. I'm telling you, it's time right there because the world shows us it's garbage unashamedly at restaurants and Walmarts. And we ought to stop right there and don't care what the devil thinks or what the world thinks. Join hands with them and say, I'm not going to just pray for you tomorrow. I'm going to pray for you right now. And devil, I rebuke you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I plead the blood on you right now. Right now. Right now. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Get in the game. Oh, my, 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 my. I I remember the story of an Olympic, one of the Olympics of some years ago. And I tried to find it, but I, I, I wasn't too successful in getting the details but I know the gist of the story. It was a marathon. One of the longer marathons in the Olympics. Having to do with a foot race. Maybe 20 laps. And it started off well with everybody in their lane. You know how they put all their runners in certain lanes? And the gun goes off and they start running. Well, a trained runner, if he has to run a long distance, or she will start off with a slower stride. Because they don't want to burn up all the energy up front. They won't have anything to finish with. Can I get an amen? And so what it does is they all start running. And things are moving along. And along about a third of the way, it's just picking up the pace. Two-thirds of the way, it's picking up the pace. Along about the second to last lap, here comes a guy out of the crowd. And he's, he's making his way. He's surprising everybody. They didn't expect him. I mean, he's from some country somewhere. And the announcer and the camera just focus on him. Because now he's coming up. He's got about 10 people behind him and about 10 people in front of him. And, 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 and the more they, they make the curves and the turns, he's going. They come about to the nearer to the last lap and a third. And all of a sudden, accidentally, either, either he stumbles on his, his own feet and they get caught or he bumps into another runner and he falls. And when he falls down, everybody expects for him to do what all the other runners do. They get up, they dust up themselves, and they try to make up the pace and get in a way and hurry faster. To, he can get caught up so maybe he can make up for lost time. And it looks like he's a hopeful. He might be a, he might be a gold, he might be a silver, he might be a bronze, but he's going to finish because he's been doing so good. But he got up and he couldn't go. He couldn't go. He got up, he had to hobble. He got up, next thing you know, they, they, they put the camera on his face and, and he could see the grueling pain that he was in. And they thought, oh no, he's not going to make it, is he? And in the stands, in the stands came a man down from the stands. And as he was coming down, he leaped over the barrier, where is uh, a barrier that restricts the participants and the officials from the audience. And he, he jumps over that barrier like he's got authority. And the officials and the others who are monitoring the race talks to him. And we can't hear what he's saying until the announcer tells us later. And the next thing you know, he's running onto the track with the others behind him, and he goes there, and he picks up the guy, and he says to the official, this is my son. He's been practicing for this marathon for years. This is my boy, and I, I see something in his eyes. I see something in his lips. 
a limp. I see something in his demeanor. I feel something breathing in his chest. And this boy ain't going to lie down on this floor or get out of the race on the side of the line and lay down until the paramedics come. This boy is going to run until he wins. So daddy puts his arm around son's shoulder. Son puts his arm under dad's shoulder. And the next thing you know, here goes dad and son. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to make it. They're uh, uh, hobbling and trying to get along. And for about ten minutes, they, the, the crowd now begins to get energized. And the people in the stand, begin, the race is over now. The last runner is gone. Everybody's passed him. But about ten minutes later, this guy gets to the finish line with his daddy on his shoulder and he on his daddy's shoulder and the crowd stood up and gave a roar just like he might have run the gold medal because if you got somebody who'll get in the game with you, you'll make it. One more thought and I'm going to close. Come to the music if you will. One more thought. Put it on the screen if you will. If you're going to get in the game and help people, please be positive. Huh? Huh? You know you've heard me say this before. And I say it again because it's worth repeating. Sometimes, if you don't know what to say, don't. Somebody's mama said, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing. Because sometimes in our own desperation, we want to help somebody. The next thing we blurted out, something silly, about somebody's mama died from the same thing you got. That, that's really... A lion will give me a home where the buffalo roams and the deer and the antelope play where seldom there's herd and... <laughs> huh? You, you don't want that, you know? Be, be positive. If you got a testimony, tell it. Everybody here has got a testimony. You might want to write that down. A way to encourage people is tell people your story. I have it for later down, but I'm not going to get to it this morning. Uh, Every one of you have a story. Every one of you, God brought you out of an intensive care room when they told your family, gather around. Not for all of you, but some some I'm seeing right here. Gather around. Because it doesn't look like it's it's, going to go well. Matter of fact, I'm going to give a testimony. Here is Jeanette Hammond right here this morning. And with her daughter Allison. Can you just stand up, Jeanette, and just let him just yeah. And let him see who you are. Just turn around and, and let it rich away with the whole crowd if you want to. Jeanette, there you are. And, and, and you can be seated. And you be seated. Her husband's been gone to be with the Lord for six years now. Yeah. In the first part of April, others went to visit Jeanette, and I did also. And Jeanette had recently come back from a trip to New, Me- New Mexico where her great-grandson, whose name is Austin, was born. And she came back and within days, she contracted some major kind of physical attack on her body. I mean, like, out of the blue. And it was so major, they put her on life support. They put her on breathing machine and ventilator. Can I get an Amen. I'm telling you her story. I'm telling you as an encouragement. And Allison was there with her and and others came by. One girl came and sang. I don't know whether Jeanette was hearing me or not. But one thing she told her daughter though, before she, uh, while she was entering this place, she said to Allison, 
I want Preacher Allen to come pray for me. Call, call him out. And I want him to come pray for me. And it was one of those special days of the year. It might have been Easter Sunday or, or one of those days. I, I, I wanted to come pray. Hallelujah. You know, I'm not trying to brag on myself, but when I need some help, I don't need you to come to my house and pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake up. No, no I, 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 I'm not saying I'm the, uh, I'm, I'm the greatest prayer warrior, but I want somebody who don't give a flying flip what the devil thinks, what the nurses think, what the doctors think, what the uh, what oncologists. I'm talking to God. Oh, my Lord. I'm going to tell you something. I saw her. They, they took her to Emory. She didn't have a clue sometimes what was going on. And, and they took her from Emory to another place. And, and then next thing you know, she comes and she's in a rehab situation. And I see her this week with Valerie. And I'm thinking, that ain't the same Jeanette. Oh, my Lord. I'm thinking, hallelujah. She chases us down. We go to her room because she ain't in her room. She's out there doing something else. Some, 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 and she sees us and she starts in that wheelchair coming after us. Somebody, how many know when you get encouraged, you want to give encouragement? Amen? Next thing I know, she's coming in that room. She's sitting in that wheelchair and she's telling all, all the good things the Lord has done. And if the devil would have had her, her his way, he'd have taken her life and she'd have has been. But here's a woman with a testimony that tells me if Jeanette Hammond can make it through the attack of the enemy, I can make it and you can make it. Everybody, stand to your feet. Everybody, stand to your feet and give a little thanks because, because you're making it. Come on, let's give him praise. Come. Oh, my, my, my. My, my. Everybody okay out there? Every time I said I'm going to keep it shorter, God, what is it about me? Hey, you ever, you ever had your car battery go dead and you were without jumper cables? Have you? Can I get any witness? Okay. Go by your own. Anyhow, uh, in the heat of the summer, sometimes batteries go bad because the heat and the corrosion around the cable and battery. In the cold of the winter, sometimes batteries die. Then they may not be completely dead. They may have some life in them. And they need a little juice. Okay? Now what, what you need along that way, in the heat of your battle, summertime, the heat of your life struggle, the heat of your marriage, the heat of your conflict in your mind, the heat of decisions, you don't know what to do. Or the coldness of you feel like you're so far from God. You feel like your prayers don't even get past your head. Or in the coldness of feeling like nobody's coming by, nobody's calling, nobody's praying. I can't feel anything. In the coldness of the heat, your spiritual batteries run dry. Now, in the natural realm, you need somebody to come by with your a car who's got jumper cables. And you gotta, you, you gotta, they got to pull up close enough to you where they can hook their cable to their battery and, of course, to the negative and positive pole. And they hook... Their cable, the other end of it, to your batteries. Oh, I believe if you let the Holy Ghost hook you up this morning, you, you, you'll be fine. And you got to let them run their car a little bit. And then you got, you got to sit there a moment. Oh, sometimes God, sometimes God getting the juice in you, see. Because that's what it is doing. Get some juice. The Holy Ghost. And next thing you know, 
they turned the key and they crank up that car and they got their engine revving and the things going and you unplug your back, your cable and they unplug their cable and they go on their merry way and the next thing you know it's because somebody came along and gave you a jump start. And every once in a while everybody needs a jump start. Come on and give the Lord a praise. You need to go out and give somebody a jump start. Hook up to the cable of the Holy Ghost. Hook up to the cable of prayer. Hook up to the cable of people who know God and serve God. And let God give you a jump start. Bow your heads. Hallelujah. Pastor, that's me. I, I, I this morning, just want God to give me a Holy Ghost jump start. I, 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 I have let my complaining get ahead of my praising. Pastor, I need to get in the ditch with other people instead of wanting people to get in the ditch with me and bury me. I need to help some people out of their ditch. Somebody say amen. Pastor, I want to be a risk taker. I know I've got to be careful who I discern and what I do, but I want, to be a, I want to invest my life in praying for people, helping people, being a witness. I want to be a Barnabas. I want to be known as a son of encouragement. Later on, the Bible says they called him a man full of the Holy Ghost. I need, I need encouragement for my healing. I need encouragement for my marriage. I need encouragement for my decision making. I need encouragement for being in a dry place. If that's you, raise your hands. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hold it up. I'm not going to embarrass you. In the name of Jesus. Now you may put them down. I want you to, all over the house now, raise up your hands all over the house and begin to pray to the Lord. Raise your voice and begin to tell the Lord exactly why you raise your hands. I'll have them sing in a moment, but raise up your voice a little louder. Oh, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation. Come on, come on. Father, I want you to give me a jump start. And I don't want you just to last till I get to the store and get another battery. I want you to be my battery. I want you to be my energizer. I want you to be my strength, oh God. God, I want to find somebody else. Somebody took a risk on me. Somebody took a chance. Come on, as you pray, go ahead and sing a verse or so of that song. Come on. I want people just praising God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah to your name. Oh, I can see you now. Oh, I can see the love in your eyes. I love you, Lord. If you need to step out from where you are, you're already saved. You love God. But you need to step out of your comfort zone, step out of those chairs, and come in front of the church and raise up your hands. And say, God, I receive your encouragement. You may be a teenager, you may be a single mom, you may be a single dad, you may be a widow, a widower, retired. Come, come, come from wherever you are. Raise up your hands. Oh, Holy Spirit. Come, keep coming. Come on, Lord. I, I don't know who's going to encourage me today, but I know you will. I know you will. Sing it with them. Sing it now and praise the Lord. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. We have a system and all, but I'm, I'm doing differently. I see people here by themselves. I want anybody who wants to be an encourager. You saved, you love the Lord. I want you to come and stand beside these people and lay your hand on their shoulder. You don't have to even tell them who you are. 
two or three of you come. I don't. I, you can be. I want you to be on the prayer team. I want you to be on staff to come. I want you to be a prayer. But if you're saved and you you love people, come and you see somebody here. Just lay your hand on their shoulder, and say, God, I don't have to tell them my name. They just got to know your name. Find somebody by themselves and go. I don't care. Five of you go to one of them. Keep coming, Christians. Come on, come out of here. Come on, sing, sing. Come on. Come on, find somebody. Walk across the front. Get them by the hand or touch them on the shoulder. Matter of fact, before, before you do that, if you want to tell them what you need God to do, tell them. And I'm just going to have a play softly. If you need to tell the person beside you, what can I pray with you about? Ask them that. If they say it's personal, pray for me, then don't ask them anymore. But I want you, before we leave, to take another minute. And I want you to hear each other pray for each other. We'll sing in a moment. Go ahead right now. Begin to do it. Lay your hands on them. Raise your voice. Pray over them. Pray over them. Pray, pray, pray where they can hear you. Pray where they can feel your passion. Oh God, I come against the attack on our marriages through the blood of Jesus. I come against the attack on our minds. Come on, come on. I plead the blood of Jesus. I pray, oh God, our body would flow in health. I pray there'll be no doubt, no fear, no depression, no anxiety. Come on, come on, huddle up and Come on. Oh God, I may not even know this person, or this may be somebody that I know very well, but come on, you pray for them. You encourage them. God, I encourage them by right now asking you to give them a miracle of whatever size and portion they need. Hallelujah. Go ahead, go ahead. Come on. Say, devil, you are a liar. Say, demons of hell, you've got to go. Lord, I pray the joy of the Lord will be their strength. Lord, I pray that no weapon of the devil formed against them shall prosper. Come on, let me, let, let me hear you get passionate. Lord, I pray they'll put on the whole armor of God. That they may withstand every fiery dart of the devil. I pray you give them the shield of faith. I pray you give them the helmet of salvation, the sword of the... Oh, bless you, Jesus. 
I bless you, Jesus. Now raise up your hands now. Sing. Sing with them. Raise it up and sing. How sweet.